0: Walking Through Glass the Podcast, the podcast where you are invited to ear hustle on an intimate conversation between real women as they discuss their journey, joys, and diva hacks. I am your host, Dr. Dina C. Brown, executive coach, international best selling author, and bold woman walking through glass every day. Walking through glass is about the struggle we face on our journey, which I describe as walking through glass. Our conscious conversations are all about real talk with real women that are doing their best to navigate fear, anxiety, depression, imposter syndrome, limited beliefs, negative self-talk, and other BS, you know, belief systems. Welcome to the show. All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to Walking Through Glass the podcast. It is such a pleasure and an honor to have you join us today. Today I have an amazing guest, and we are going to really share with you all of the things that you're going to need to not only transform your life, but make sure that your headspace is there. So let me tell you. A little bit about Marissa. Marissa is the CEO and founder of Marissa Bailey Coaching. She's a certified authentic leadership coach, trained and certified in emotional intelligence, and has an extensive professional experience building and leading teams, business development, and process optimization. I look forward to her helping you process you. She is personally fascinated and continues to educate herself on the science of the brain, brain psychology, and the science of well-being. Marissa works with coaches and consultants to help them confidently build and scale up business based on the foundation of their core values, and that's so critical. Her approach includes value identification, vision embodiment, and aligned strategy. She believes when all three fundamentals are centered, we all have the ability to create a life and business full of abundance, fulfillment, and integrity. She is here today to help us unravel our limiting beliefs and really talk about mindset coaching and help all of us, all of us listeners, create an unshakable business foundation through aligned strategy. So we're really going to pick a reign. Simply said, Marissa is the person you hire when you are tired of wishing and waiting and ready to start being all that you can be. And today we have Marissa on the show and I'm so happy and honored to have you here, Marissa.
1: So welcome. Hi, thank you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here and I just want to say I am just constantly in awe of you. And every time I hear you speak, I could literally listen to you all day.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, can you tell my son that? Because usually yeah, when I talk to him, he's like trying to run. I'm like, you're getting all oh, this good, good, good. And, you know, people people pay me to do this. He just looks so impre- unimpressed and keeps moving. <laughs> but I. <laughs> I'm so happy, and I'm so happy that we finally got this going. Oh my gosh, guys, you're going to have to get the backstory one day of the three times it takes to really get this recorded. Um, so I know that you're in for a powerful treat just by the sheer energy that we had to put forth to make it happen. And I, again, the title of the show is about walking through glass. And so I want to know when you think about walking through glass, what
1: runs through your mind? Mm, well, I think in, as it relates to getting this, this recording going, we walked through glass a little bit there, but it was so graceful. Um, but what comes up for me when I think of walking through glass is not necessarily like busting through glass. Um, it, it's really walking with who you are authentically to the core of your being. It's when i think of walking through glass it's almost like walking with yourself in that mirror sense. So the glass for me is a mirror. And it can it can change daily really when you're you're walking through glass when you're walking next to glass but really when when it comes down to it for me is i envision Like dirty, dusty glass that needs cleaned off. And when I really get that that glass clean, even if it is just in one spot of an area, and I I take a step back and I look at it, I can see my reflection. So it's really standing with that reflection of myself and, and seeing what is on the other side of that glass and knowing that that's where I want to get to. And while that glass may seem like a barrier, It's something that I need to learn to walk with, to get through to the other side of of who I really am and embodying that and just really loving that person unconditionally and trusting that that journey that I'm going to be on, if that glass shatters at any moment, if it has a little bit more sparkle to it, if it's clearer one day or it's a little more foggy, just knowing that that journey and every bit and piece of the facet of glass is a part of me and I'm meant to embrace it and share it.
0: Wow. That was amazing. That was such a beautiful depiction of what that glass you know looks like and even the process that you go
1: through the walk through it so I ask you what's your glass mm, good question I feel like my glass is it's again it's that mirror it's myself so really um going with that saying that we hear so often of like getting out of our own way I I see that in two different ways I see the way of, of or the definition of you know truly getting out of our own way, but also learning to walk with ourselves. I feel like it's not asking ourselves to step aside. It's really taking our own hand and walking and learning and embracing and challenging ourselves. And I feel like at any of those moments, even in celebration moments, we can get in our own way. And I think that that has definitely been my glass along my journey, not not just as a business owner or a coach, but the entirety of my being, where my glass shows up so differently daily. And so it's really learning to walk with that, walk through it and be with it and trust that that is is the way. Not that it's sunshine and rainbows every time or that my glass is crystal clear every day, but it's also getting to an understanding that there will be some days that my glass is just a lot thicker and I have to really allow myself to pause and take a step back and not try to just aggressively try and figure it out, control the situation and blast through it, because that's where some of the the cuts and scrapes and bruises can come from. But if I take a step back and I'm intentional with how I want to approach that glass of the day, that's where the real change happens.
0: Wow, that's so good wow, that is so good. You talk about, you can listen to me. I can listen to you like down oh.
1: right
0: processes. <laughs> oh my gosh. So phenomenal. And as you were sharing, it comes to pretty much the, the metaphor that I was sharing with you earlier, or the awareness, the aha moment that I shared in regards to um, Bruce Lee. And I thought about, you know, Bruce Lee saying, you know, be the water. Mm. And when you were talking about that ability to kind of, you know, flow through instead of power through, it just really created a solid image in my mind about the, the power of water. But the power of water rests in its ability to flow. Yes. And as long as it's flowing, there's that infinite power that it holds to literally break through, get around, get over, get under and break through anything. And it's when we put barriers up that try to stop the flow of water, okay, in this particular metaphor, Mm -hmm. is when I think we meet some of our greatest challenges, and that's when we're out of alignment. And that's when we see our greatest struggles, because we're not in flow, as opposed to seeing how we can process through it instead of power through it. So I was just kind (laughs) of... Ruminating on that as you were, as you were talking. And I think about, I think about that when we think about why people, I call it give up on themselves mm-hmm. and that so many times people will make a mistake or they do something and it's not what they expected it to be. And they literally kind of shut down and shut off. What would you say is the most common reason for people, you know, who, who are following you know, number one, why they're failing in a sense, if we want to call it that, however you construct
1: that, failing or falling and and actually even giving up. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. And in my opinion, and even what I've recognized with myself and, and with clients or individuals that I've worked with is that the, the number one reason, if I could list a number one reason, would be that we allow the difficulty of... Everyday life and overanalyzing, overthinking, um, getting in our own way—in that sense of from a place of, of ego-driven living—is the number one reason why people stop in their tracks. And it's not even a pause; it's it's a stop. It's a it's I'm going to turn around and start completely over and live more so from that place of ego. And when it comes to failing. I believe that failing some of our quote-unquote failures, however we want to look at that, are some of our biggest life lessons. And so that is a really powerful reframe for people as they're going through life, no matter what the situation is, is that it's not not failure necessarily. It's a learning opportunity. It's a unique opportunity for growth and introspection. And yes, paying attention to the external things, but really going internally too and asking yourself the question is this a true failure? Is this a moment of opportunity? This is, this is hard, or this is painful, or this is making me feel X, Y, Z. This is fearful, but really putting a name to it helps get through it. And when we're not able to put a name to it, I think that we're so quick to just give up, even though we might have this gut feeling that our intuition telling us so strongly, keep going, keep going, keep going. Because even if you don't keep going right now, if you decide to you know, raise your red flag. I'm going to show up again differently, and so I think that really reframing that for ourselves of understanding that failure is is temporary. It's a learning lesson, and some of those lessons can be extremely hard. They can be um, life changing, life altering. However, it's again going back into that flow and understanding that it it, it is temporary. Um, and you know, I would say just going back to the beginning of of the answer is that it is that mirror, you know, it's, it's that moment that we really face ourselves head on where we have that decision daily, multiple times a day to decide how do I want to show up today? Do I want to continue going on this project that might be really hard? Do I want to have this tough conversation that I know I need to have? And at the end, when I get through that other side of that glass that I'm going to take that deep drink of, of water for my soul and really understanding that that again is where the growth happens, where the magic happens. And when we continue to go and allow ourselves a moment of pause, not stopping, not giving up, but continuing to move because we're constantly moving, but it's at our own pace in, in really breaking free from the shoulds and going back to what we could do, not what we should do, but what we what we could and what we really believe in in ourselves is the core of continuing to move when we hold that mirror up and say, no, this is too hard. This is too scary. That is the moment where we, we stop. Ooh, that was so good. I was just like,
0: that was so good. And I wanted to ask in your, in your opinion, why do people, why are, are they so
1: afraid of the word fail or failure? Hmm. There, I could speak about this for seventy-two hours, I believe.
0: (laughs) I was, I was was like, oh my gosh, we're gonna have to talk about that because so often, even if the word, and I and I know we, I do a lot of reframing with clients. I do a lot of reframing when I'm speaking, and you know, we'll create. I'm an acronym queen. I'll create an acronym about anything. And I thought about the word failure. And linguistically speaking, I thought, why are some people, why, why does that word cause people to tremble? Why, how have we been programmed neurologically to respond? And I know you're into the brain geek thing like me, to the word fail, where even now when I say it, I get a flutter. And I've reframed it a thousand times over where. I look at it differently. I see it as opportunity for growth, et cetera. I've even um, changed the connotation of it. And I said, you know, to me, failure is a loss of hope. As long as you have hope, you haven't failed. I mean, I could go on and on and on. And so recently I've been sitting in, why do we feel the need for that one particular word to constantly reframe, redesign, rescript, etc.?
1: That is a really, really powerful question. And it's really even more powerful to sit with it, rather to to try and define it or fight it away instantly. I think that that as, as humans, we are so hardwired to try and figure everything out overnight. And especially now in a world where we're in a society of instant gratification, it goes with the good and the bad or the perceived good or the perceived bad. And so there, there's research out there. And this is, has been um, a constant definition that I've been working towards, too. And even um, specifically in the leadership training or working with individuals on, on leadership, we have grown up in a society and, be, and been conditioned and experienced things that failure is so it's bad. It means that you can't get back up. It means that you're judged from a negative viewpoint. It means that you can't speak any longer on this topic, or that you can't speak about this at all, or don't raise your hand or wait for the invitation kind of thing. And I feel like there is a shift happening. It's a very incremental and small shift at a time, but there is a shift happening. And I I believe that failure comes, the definition of the feeling of failure for many comes from experiences at the foundation of blame and shaming. And it's very, very powerful when you're in an experience, for example, in an organization, in your job, or with a loved one, a family member, a friend, or even an acquaintance when you have an experience. And and they might believe that they're attempting to help or to come up with a solution. But it almost comes from a place of shaming or from blaming. And that also goes back to the the, um, the basis of sympathy versus empathy. So really, empathy is providing that safe space and and letting that person know, hey, I'm here for you. I may not understand this, but. This just kind of sucks, and it's okay. You know, I want you to feel your feelings, and I think that failure right now for many is defined of I'm I'm not allowed to feel my feelings, or if it's not I'm I'm not allowed. It's I don't know how to, or I don't know how to put a name to this. Other than I just feel really bad, so I must have failed, which then creates this rabbit hole or snowball of. If I fail, this means that I can't do this. If I can't do this, this means that I can't speak about this. If I can't speak about this, I can't truly be who I really am. And I believe that that just, it's created such a snowball effect that we're going to have to work very hard and very diligently and consistently to work backwards on that and really get to the root. But I think getting to that root for everybody is really facing it head on. And as simply as, because I love keeping things simple, is as simply as writing down that word failure and just letting the words flow onto paper or onto your computer or whatever feels best, a voice message, and just putting your own personal definition to that word failure, what it means to you, and then coming up with a way to reframe it. What do I want this to mean to me? What does this actually mean to me? Really um, identifying what are the truths versus what are these false limiting beliefs that maybe I've adapted or I've, um, not adapted, adopted somebody else's belief about failure. Is this actually my belief or is this somebody else's?
0: You know, I, as I'm sitting here and, and, and pausing, I wanted to make sure I picked my words for, you know, and that they were concise because everything that you said is so spot on with that and I think about the connectivity to my research and my passion of course is in toxic shame and its impact on how what I call the the imposter bully shows up in your life
1: <laughs> mm, yes I love that okay.
0: <laughs> and um, my research that I'm working on is in reframing imposter syndrome And it's intersectionality with race, class and trauma and the shame attached to really feeling those feelings. And shame is not that all, all shame isn't created equal. I'll put it that way. Yes. Yes. But toxic shame is very different. And I think about where it's embedded in our tape. When it was embedded in our tape, and even subconsciously of us, even not even knowing that's been part of our internal dialogue. And anyone that hears me speak, you guys know I talk about Heffa, and you will be pleased to know I'm launching um, a season of "Shut Up Heffa" on Walking Through Glass. And so on Wednesdays, you'll have an opportunity to listen to me and Heffa have an intimate conversation. <laughs> And telling her to shut up. So definitely coming in, definitely wanting to tune into that. It's been such a joy. Um, and it's time to have that conversation. But I, I was thinking about the conversation I had with my son, because we'll, we'll take fear. We'll take failure. We'll take all these thoughts and we'll put it under different categories. And we don't seem to call a thing, a thing. Yeah. And really what it is, is wrapped around shame of some form. And, my son and I were having a conversation yesterday because he's been looking for a job and he's a teenager. So he's looking for service jobs. And he had a particular um, job and he, you know, football season was coming. And so he was looking and saying, oh, well, I'm not going to be able to work that job because, you know, we're going to be playing. Okay. Corona said otherwise. So now he's like, oh, okay. And I, we had a conversation about That's why I told you to always stay in the motion until you kind of have everything, you have all your ducks in a row. But that's giving you a little backstory for what's happening now. So um, Xavier, aka Baby Pumpkin, for those of you that follow me... We were talking about, he's my mom, I've been applying, I've been applying, you know, cause Home Depot's looking, I mean, he's like, all these people have jobs. And so he's gotten a few people said, Oh, Hey, you know, give me your information. I definitely will have, you know, would like to talk to you more, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I had a conversation with him last night and I said, Hey, did you go back to, you know, that particular manager at that particular store? And he said, you know, no. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I said, did you get their information? He said, no. And so I just felt led in the spirit at that moment. It was like a mommy power. I don't, <laughs> I said, let me talk to you. I said, because I'm noticing something. And, you know, do you feel like if they don't call you that you feel rejected and that they don't want you
1: mm.
0: because they've told you I'm going to call you? They've told you I'm gonna get back to you. And I noticed how he was often triggered when someone didn't respond. And if they didn't respond once, gosh knows twice, he truly is my child. You were he's done with you. <laughs> and <laughs> he's done. Like, nope, he didn't come back. You know, and it does and and so I said, Is that what you're feel can you help me with understand what you're feeling? So I can help you understand what the real world processes are. And he finally said, mom, kind of, because he's there, he's young, he's amazing. And, you know, he was used to having, you know, his cheerleaders, King Xavier type of thing. So anytime, you know, he encounters a certain person, especially a strange person that makes a promise or says, I'm going to do this and they don't, he internally shuts down. That avenue. So I said, Well, how come you didn't go back up there? She said, Hey, I'm going to call you tomorrow. Yes, I definitely need your help. All these different things. Well, she didn't call me. Well, why didn't you call? <laughs> and so it wasn't just about him not being like aware of the, the guidance of how to approach job hunting. And he's not a generation, you know, Zier who's like, Oh, they think everyone should be handed That's not him. What I denoted was that it was a construct of how and who he is based on someone else who said they were going to do something, especially an adult, and they didn't do it.
1: Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's very powerful insight.
0: He felt rejected. And he is a child who's experienced divorce. He is a child who's experienced pretty much, and you know, might as well say, you know, total rejection by his dad when we got a divorce. So (laughs) how often do we carry these pieces? And we haven't called a thing a thing. We just keep progressing. So when we hear words like failure failed, that's, we hear that and we see that, but what we're feeling is that moment in time from a time as part of our narrative where we felt less than, not enough, rejected, unloved, and abandoned.
1: Yes, that is, I mean, it speaks to the putting a name to a thing. And it's not necessarily even a thing, but an experience or a feeling. And I I believe that the, the feeling your feelings has been almost looked at it as a weakness for so long. And um, like I said, I feel like there's a shift happening. It's slow, but it is happening, but we need more of those conversations to happen. You know, how are you feeling? Do you, are you able to put a, a word to it or a name to it? If not, how, how can I support you? Um, or if you are able to put a name to it or a word to it, help me understand so that I can help support you in the real real world strategies or real world workings through this or with it. And yeah, I just, I love that insight. I love that perspective. And and that is also something that I'm really passionate about is bringing different perspectives to the table because what works for, for you may not work for me and vice versa. And I think that, um, not even I think that, I know that having those types of conversations and being open to different perspectives is really going to be a big game changer for the way that failure is addressed. And, and just like you said early on in this conversation, when we started speaking about failure is that you have a a reaction to it almost. And even over here, when I'm saying the word failure, it almost feels like it comes out of my mouth with like glitter around it, that it's like, Hey, know me I'm here. I'm coming out of your mouth. I'm into your space. I'm in your orbit at this time. And it's almost like you know, having a a physical reaction to it. And I think that a lot of people have similar feelings to that of when they experience failure, it's almost like it's tacking on another thing into their resume of life, where there's a section of my failures, here's my failure, because research has shown that when we ask somebody what they love about themselves, or what they like about themselves, they pause, and it's almost like a deer in headlights, versus if you would ask somebody what what's wrong with themselves or what they want to fix or failures in their moments of life, they can rattle off a handful just like that. And I, I firmly believe that there, there has to be more conversation around creating that safe space to open up and say, hey, this is what I really love about myself or these are things that I've really accomplished in life. And I'm very proud of these things, removing judgment, removing the comparison, removing again, the imposter syndrome there, and just knowing and developing that belief and nurturing and nourishing that belief that I am enough simply because I am.
0: And, and it's okay even to be too much. And I I was sitting there (laughs) thinking that, and in my research, um, well, two things. First, we are doing. My son and I are doing our book study on psycho cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. I just read that. <laughs> Isn't it amazing? It's I'm gonna. Do, we probably have to talk. I actually want to do, um, like, a mastermind group study on it, and so. <laughs> so we'll talk because I actually yeah. want to do that, um, and it might be something to even collaborate on. And, um, but I told him, I said, it's a non-negotiable. Certain books I give him, I say, these are non-negotiables. You're going to get, it. you're going to read it because you need to pull back the layers. And he's familiar with psychology. Cause again, I've had him read as a man thinketh I've had, him mm-hmm. <laughs> I have him read certain books. Um, man's search for humanity by Viktor Frankl. I have him read. And these are non-negotiable books that's going to help him. I said, you might not get it all now, but I guarantee you, I'm putting it in your tape that at one point is going to ding, ding, ding for you of why you needed to have this. So, but with that and speaking to all of that other journey and sitting in it and processing it and being enough, I always ask why this is the research in me. Okay. So why? And so I have to go back and sit and have these conversations and go back and talk to HEPA. Heffa's not always bad. She's a good girl sometimes <sighs> because, you know, it's just when she's trying to overprotect me, you know, and she's playing like, you know, mama bear that we kind of struggle a little bit, but for women, for women, this tends to be a greater challenge than for men, I didn't say men don't experience it. I said a greater challenge for women. And so I think back to I always ask the question why, and I'm interested to get your piece on that. Do you think it's because as young girls, if we did something for ourselves, we were called selfish. If we were, you know, dancing, you're being too much, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and inadvertently, the people that loved us and were in our lives maybe spoke into our spirit, that, you know, taking risk is not something that good girls do. And that if you are seen and you are putting yourself out there, then you're one of those girls or that you're conceited or that you're and you can fill in the blank. I know
1: I have my own stories, but I wanted to ask you, what do you think? Yeah, I think it's a combination or a combi- combination of all of the things. Where um, you know, I can very clearly remember pivotal moments in my life, even when I was very young, of putting myself out there or taking a risk or wanting to do something that just really excited me. And it not, it's not that I was shut down. It was okay. This is great and all, but have you thought about the what I would now label the possibility? Possibilities of failure or the possibilities of judgment, um, and the the big one that that comes up for me when you were speaking is a lot of us as young girls and and women are raised to believe that we need to almost be very I don't want to say aggressive but for lack of, of better terms aggressive and building our our independence and so in the way that that is created in our lives, there's so many different routes that everybody goes. It's different, right, for everybody. So that could be, okay, you need to create a route for your independence because you need a job that makes X, Y, and Z, and you need to be at the front of the table doing this no matter what, when in reality, maybe that's not what I would want. Maybe I want to do something that has me at in, in groups or um, staying behind the scenes because I love having quieter interaction, because that's just what my personality calls. But I do believe that there is and has been a conditioning of too much, too loud, conceited. If you speak up, that means you're, you're coloring outside of the lines. Or um, if you want to be in the front of the line, then you're just seeking out attention. And that's so far beyond reality. That's so far beyond truth we need those different perspectives of men and women to come together because that's where you find the magic. That's where the change happens. And we can't move forward unless we have both. And I can't speak to what it is like for a man living, but being a woman and being able to speak and saying, you know, and working in many male dominated industries and, you know, from a young age and and questioning my worth but also having the foundation of believing I can push through this or I can, I can work with this. I can hold up that mirror to myself and say, okay, this is actually about me. Nobody is blatantly telling me to my face that I'm not enough. I'm, I'm perceiving that that's the message that I'm receiving right now. One, is that true or is it not true? That stuff doesn't happen overnight. That takes a lot of training, retraining, learning and unlearning But I do believe that the way that we are raised, the society that we live in, a lot of the messages um, give that idea that if you turn up the volume on, on your values, you turn up the volume on your integrity, you turn up the volume on your beliefs, that there's going to be a negative judgment. But one thing that I have learned is that people will judge you no matter what. However, judgment doesn't always mean it's coming from a negative space. It could be a judgment of, wow, I want to learn more or, wow, thank you for bringing that different perspective to the table or, wow, I don't agree with you, but I want to have an open and conscious conversation with you. Much as like what we're having right now, opening up different perspectives and figuring out where there are similarities, bringing different views to different tables. And I think that that is so incredibly powerful.
0: Wow. And again, another powerful word, judgment. Yes. And we think about how words are used. So why they impact us a certain way. And it's really making the unconscious conscious is what I like to speak to. And it's really becoming aware so that you can begin to mitigate. And why even the word judgment, causes the flutter. Why? Because we think people being a judge and a jury, we think about judgment day. If you have religious, but you think about, you know, mm-hmm. that judgment has a negative connotation to it. And the same way it has a negative connotation, we can reframe that. That's the power that, that we hold. That's the power that exists within us to reframe so that when we're processing whatever that actually is, we're doing it from a space and we're doing it from a place that works best for us. And I remember I was on stage and I don't know where this came from. I just seemed to get in the flow sometime. And I was talking about the fact that I love me. And I remember looking out at the group and I said, you know, for so many years I spent I call it being a bastardized version of myself (laughs) Mm -hmm. being what people needed me to be, what people thought I should be. Some of it was some things I wanted to be, but not in totality. Because of that judgment, that desire to want people to see me and to love me. In a certain way but here is where neuroscience saved my life (laughs) in my (laughs) mindset because as i did more and more research and this has you know been years of this i didn't get to be 48 years fabulous like overnight is that i realized that the only time that we can overpower that 90 plus percent time that we're operating on autopilot from our O negative or whatever tape that we have is when we're in love. The love we feel for our children, the love we feel for that guy, whether he was wrong and right at the time, in that moment, he could do no wrong and you can, there's no mountain you can't climb kind of thing. The same way a mom can lift a car if her babies underneath. Infinite possibility happens because when you're in love, that trigger, that signal shuts down all of Anything that tells you that it's not possible. And so I said to myself, what if you fall madly in love with yourself? What would that do for you? First, if I could love me first, then I would have infinite potential to love everyone else, including their flaws, their differences, etc. But I first had to love me. And here was the caveat is that once I could love myself completely and fully, then it opened the door to share, to show people how I expect it to be loved. Mm. Wow. So I love me. And if you do, it's a bonus. And that helped me begin to deal with the judgment face, the fear of the risk. So that's why I have conversations with myself and Heffa. I'm not going to have a conversation with someone else getting approval for what I should and shouldn't do. I seek my own counsel first, and then I equip myself once I have that self-awareness and I've sought my own counsel about, is this truly what I want and does it align to the love I have for me? And now when I'm in execution phase is when I then step outside and say, now here's who and what I need to execute this and make it come to fruition. Where before it was
1: opposite, but now it starts with me. Oh, I love that. I just had something come to mind where a really powerful way that, that um, and I, I love that you have your HEPA because I have Janet. Janet is my person <laughs> I, <laughs> I talk to. <laughs> So Hefa and Janet might have conversations sometime. <laughs> but um, yes. what was coming up for me was I I really had to work very hard to reframe my self-worth for a long time. And, and it took again holding that mirror up and saying, How can I take radical accountability and responsibility for me? And that was a, a digging way, way deep to the roots. But I really love Having a visual that is um, relatable to my everyday. So, in my leadership coaching and my leadership training, and in working with my clients, I have to first work on myself, right? So, the same premise of how you said, "If what if I fell madly in love with myself?" So, for me, it was that. And what if I had my own board of directors to help me navigate my daily life? So, the way that I reframed that for myself, because. I had a pretty negative experience with a, um, a job that I had previously, and I let that define me for so long. I let that be another failure added to my resume. I took a long, hard look at that and I said, you know what? I no longer want my failures to be the individual sitting at my table. I don't want them or those failures to be my board of directors. I want to be the leader at the head of the table. I want my values and my successes to be sitting on each side around that table so that I go to those every single day and I say okay how do I how do I approach this situation how do I approach this conversation I'm getting out of bed today what is one good thing that will remind me that today is good just as it is and it's really having the ability and the empowerment in yourself and that love for yourself to say no longer am I looking for other people's approval or Or negative judgments or perceived negative judgments of who I am and how I'm being to be sitting in those chairs around my table. They're excused. And the individuals that I'm inviting to my table now to help me be a more powerful leader in my life and to live out my purpose are my values, are my mission, are the things that really truly matter to help you go back to and be a checkpoint every single day.
0: Wow, that's good. That's good. And I know like we can talk about stuff forever. I, 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 I found my kindred brain. <laughs> I, I can't, I really love this stuff and, and because it helps explain so many things. And I was recently asked, you know, if you could go and work with young children, um, again, cause I've already done that. But what would you teach them and what would you share with them about, you know, that's in your wheelhouse? And I said, it's about mindset mastery. I believe it's the cornerstone of really authentic leadership Mm -hmm. is that you've got to know who you are. You've got to understand what your triggers are. You have to know where your opportunities for growth are. And you still have to be very solid in the keen understanding that it's your choice, good or bad and different. It's still your choice. (laughs) And that, te- that takes that mindset mastery from saying that it was someone else. And so I wanted to ask you um, for all, I know the raving fans that are, that I know they kind of walked away with so many nuggets of wisdom. I can't wait to even like listen to the playback, you know, from this is so good. Is that what recommendation would you give them to help begin their own work? on getting to that particular place? What hacks have you implemented or what have you shared with, you know, your clients or others that's been that one thing that go to things that really helps them
1: get started in doing the work? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really good question. And I would say that the one thing that really helped me begin that work, and it's a thing that I've been doing for years now that I practice daily is we've heard of the, the gratitude practice of writing three things down or three to five or whatever feels best for you at the end or beginning or both of each day that you're grateful for. So I do that. And the most powerful thing, I'm all about taking things one step further. So taking that one step further actually ties in very beautifully to what we were speaking about of falling madly in love with yourself is that I write a love letter to myself every single morning and it can be as simple or as long as I want it to be or need it to be. But I remind myself every single day, something that I love about myself, something that I have accomplished in my life that I want to celebrate that day. And I I think it's that constant reminder of starting somewhere of celebrating you.
0: Oh, I love that. I love that. I am so borrowing. and I will give you credit um, <laughs> <laughs> for that. Cause you know, I do do authentic journaling. I do do my gratitude practice. I do um, do the most, but I love the concept of the daily love letter. And I had created a series of journals, which will come out soon. And it was, I had them actually, they were titled Dear God. And so mm-hmm. it wasn't a love letter to myself. It was that what are we saying? What are we speaking? And they were, again, those letters and prayers, you know, um, to God, and that we get to write them out um, in that framework of what we need, not praying for someone else or interceding on someone else's behalf, but really getting it out of our head. You know, if I had to write God a letter, what would I tell him? You know, and so good, bad, and, and, and in between types of things. And so, but I love the concept of the daily love letter you know, to yourself. And right then and there, that's something that I'm probably going to start, you know, today I've done it and spoke it, but I didn't write it down. And, um, I think, um, I, I, I got a great idea. Oh my God. Thank you for that. Like I got a whole new idea of what I want to, um, <laughs> what I wanna do because I love, I'm the queen of like the sticky notes. Yes. And so I actually am going to do a love notes wall. And just one thing I'm going to tell myself, because for people like me, like the thought of a letter and I'm kind of running, doing things will stop me in my tracks from doing a letter. But if I can just tell myself one thing I love about that in that moment, and I can take a look at it and I can put it on a sticky or I can put it on a little note card and post it up
1: somewhere, that would be fantastic. Mm So I'm going to take that and (laughs) yes. Please, please do. And anybody listening, please do your own version of that too. Find something for you that works for you that, you know,
0: again, helps you move you from where you are to where you want to be. Yes. And, um, I, I mean, that was fantastic. This has been such an amazing, amazing show. Um, is there anything else before we end that you wanted to share? How can, how can people find you? I definitely don't want to forget that. Where should they find you? Where should they look? Where should they stalk your social profiles?
1: <laughs> yeah, I am mostly prevalent on um, Instagram. You can find me on there at Marissa, M-A-R-I-S-A, Renee, R-E-N-E-E, Bailey, B-A-I-L-E-Y, all one word, my whole name, no spaces. Um, And then my website, which is actually being reconstructed right now, is uh, www.marissabailey.com. So feel free to find me on there, message me on there. I'm always open, and I love having new conversations with people.
0: Fantastic. And stay tuned. We might be bringing you some psycho-cybernetics action, people. Um, (laughs) A special, special course just for you. But thank you, thank you, thank you, everybody, for listening to Walking Through Glass podcast. Until next time. Bye-bye.